0: Of velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this. And McConaughey and his stacking went through, and in Clark to Glanville, a Singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Beautifully done, gathered squad. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week, Orlando Bailey and Max AjoMo, conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Be Club,
1: the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black, and white. My name is Gabriel. And as ever, I am joined by my good friend and fellow bath fan Tom. Tom, we wait almost five years for a Champions Cup victory as a bath fan, and two come along in two weeks. How are you, mate?
0: Absolute madness. Yeah, it's been a it's been a drought for for bath in in, in the Champions Cup. Obviously, won the title all those all those years years ago, but yeah, in red for the first time ever. For two weeks on the bounce and two weeks. Since our last podcast, 10 points to the good and we move on. Yeah, it's been a fantastic
1: start to the Investec Champions Cup for Bath. 10 points from 10. Joint top of Pool 2 with Galacticos to lose and two wins from two, of course, against Ulster, first of all, a couple of weekends ago, and then against on Car- against Cardiff on Saturday night. Tom, we're going to talk all about both of those games in this podcast before looking ahead ...to our festive fixture against Quinns at the Rec. Um, And yeah, we're going to try and get into both of the games individually because you're right. We did have a week off last week. Apologies, listeners. A few logistical issues that we had meant that we thought we would postpone it and do two match reviews for this podcast... ...and kind of give a little bit of a European review... Um, but before we get into the detail of each individual game tom have you got any kind of overriding thoughts on both of the games and and where we kind of sit after two really good victories
0: yeah i think overall and it's something that we've we've said on this podcast or something that jbg has said since he's been in charge we look tough to beat mm. we are winning important moments we're being incredibly well disciplined at key times, our bench has been very, very strong, and that's 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 given us a final push and and, and fitness looks great as well. And at times during those games, both games, we've looked absolutely red hot to, to pardon to pardon the pun. And we've looked unstoppable, to be completely honest. We've been free-flowing, we've been physical, it's been been brilliant watching. At other times, we've looked a little bit concerningly porous in defence mm. and I think just lacking in concentration, we have these lapses when we'll concede two, three tries, I think against Cardiff and Ulster that we've got away with it and we managed to get back into to both of those, those, those games but I think against better teams they will take better advantage mm. of that so I'd say overall we're ambitious, we're confident, we're improving and we're much improved already but the top, top teams watching that will see those lapses and I think you know fancy that they'll take their chances a bit better
1: yeah I I see your point but I also think it's two wins in this competition and, and I don't think any win in this competition should be kind of taken for granted and I think the way that the team's kind of set up is that they're all going kind of full beans for these games Ulster and Cardiff and I think you look across the the tournament and there's very few teams that have actually gone two from two so I think it's they're never going to be kind of smooth sailing victories these is you know it's the top level of European rugby, maybe not Cardiff, but respectfully they they did have their strongest possible side out away Saturday night. They'd have had that game penciled in or penned in as a big well, one home to home, to home, to for target. Them, yeah. home, yeah, home for them, of course, and lots of um people in the ground, so I think yeah, a few lapses, and we'll get into the details of each game as I mentioned, but I think. To win two games is, is is really, really good, and we've not won one in five years. So I think you can nitpick, but I think overriding emotion for me is is just how kind of well they've played and I think you're right, the, the bench in both games has had such a big impact. Um I think the discipline has had a massive impact. Seven penalties in two games. Yeah. That's insane. We used to do seven and a half under a previous regime. Seven in 160 minutes is brilliant. And, and that two, is two against Ulster, the stronger side that we played. 100%, fantastic. Um, and then I kind of think the, the last point that I'll kind of take from both games is that we're scoring lots of tries and we're scoring lots of tries in lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. Our maul is looking fantastic. Our scrum is looking fantastic. And then we can score from the 22. We can score from kind of almost inside our own half. We are developing a kind of whole... Right whole game that allows us to, to score tries. We're not just focusing on, on kind of one area of strength, like we may have done last season under, yeah. under Johan van Grand. So, yeah, all in all, I think extremely positive. And I'm kind of circling the 25th of May already in my diary yeah. for a trip to, to London Stadium. Yeah,
0: that would be... <laughs> Am I getting well, ahead of myself? Well, I was going to ask you that, because you've spoken about teams that have gone two from two. And what's been really interesting, and I think surprising probably for followers of the Gallagher Premiership, is that two from two for us, two from two for Tigers, Mm. Saints and Exeter, you look at traditionally very, very strong sides over recent years in this competition, La Rochelle, Racing and Munster are both zero from two. Mm. Given the demands of the premiership, the salary cap constraints, I think people expected the URC and top 14 teams to probably have the dominance over the premiership sides. That has not been the case so far this Mm. competition. So, bearing that in mind and bearing in mind also the fact that we're currently joint top of the premiership if you how far, how how far should bath fans expect <laughs> us to go in this competition and should bath fans dare to dream at all what do, what, what do you think
1: <laughs> uh, yeah no uh, it's it's a top 4 from each pool into a last 16 I think where we are now, and given we've got Racing, who who don't look a great side at home, we should be pretty confident that we will be able to qualify in a decent place in that um, top 16. If we can get a home game in that top 16, that'll be absolutely vital. And I think absolutely there's no reason why we can't get into a a Champions Cup quarterfinal. And then I think we we potentially will, will maybe reach our ceiling. I think that might be the limit for this team. Um, but that is a hell of an achievement from from where we've been previously in, in this competition. So, yeah, I think if we got to a quarterfinal, that would from this point absolutely represent success. And then from there, you kind of take the draw and and, and we book our flights and we go and enjoy a weekend.
0: So when I saw you on the the Sunday after well, the, the the game, and you know you'd had a you'd had a you'd had, a, you'd, had, a, you'd, had a, you'd had you'd had one or two Christmas Christmas pints, you were you were maybe being a little bit bullish. I agree. I think. You know, two thirds of the teams in the pool stages go through, mm. so you can be not from two, like Larochelle double champions, and still have a very good chance of being one of those lower seeded sides, and then playing the likes of us in the, mm. in the, you know, admittedly probably at the wreck. but you know, it, it I think, it, I think it's gonna be tough, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. I think there's a chance that playing in the the way that we are and how you know in the confident way that we are, a quarterfinal, possibly even a semifinal. It's not beyond the complete realms of, of possibilities, but there's a lot of good sides yeah. in this tournament, mm. and we've got a lot of work through the Premiership before those games in February roll round. And there's a lot of good sides that January, that, February, yeah. yeah, end of January, I think the next round is.
1: Yeah, thirteenth of Jan, I think we're going to the Racing game on the on Sunday the fifteenth. Correct,
0: and then I think it's the following week <laughs> after. Correct. So yeah. so yeah, I think
1: yeah, I think there's teams and there's teams that will get better as well. Like there's teams that have just started to get their players back from from pretty hefty World Cup outfits Leinster some of the French teams for sure so I think there's definitely teams that get better but but we couldn't have obviously started in a in a much better fashion yeah I think I was joking to you after the Ulster game that I didn't want to win it this year because I wanted to go abroad for our first victory and not to (laughs) go to to London that may have been slightly getting ahead of myself but it but it's been a
0: really really positive start for sure. Just before we get into the games Mm. then one thing that I think listeners are expecting us to talk about. I mentioned uh, yeah, the the red hot performances, you know, first uh, first outings in, in in a red kit ever in our whatever it is a hundred and fifty odd year history, hundred and fifty eight year history. So, what are your thoughts on the kit?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play up to the the potentially, um, I would say unfair stereotype that I may have gained on this podcast of being a little bit grumpy. Um, but I don't like the red kit Um, I don't really think Bath should play in red Um, yeah I think it's the Gloucester colours it's not the same red as Gloucester but to change your logo to a sort of red and white logo to really kind of go for it um, I get that Castor and the club are probably trying to do something a little bit different with this kit and maybe try and create a little bit of buzz and and I imagine there are people that sit on the other side of the argument. I'm not gonna buy the red kit. Um
0: but even promise, in a long sleeve cotton version? Well, if
1: they produce those that was the only one they produced, then I'd potentially be tempted, but yeah, it's it just doesn't look right. Like, so we we played the Ulster game, and Ulster were in a beautiful sort of gold kit with a nice red trim. Fine, red trim. That was a lovely kit, and we were playing in this, you know, frankly gaudy red kit. And it did look like the the team should be in. Ink. They've kind of had kind of swapped jerseys. So, yeah, I wasn't. I'm not massive on it. Um, and that's yeah, probably me being a little bit grumpy. But I just think that's what Gloucester playing.
0: Yeah, I I think I agree. Initially, I'm, I'm much oh, less. Sure? I'm well. It. I'm much less resistant to to change than you are. As those those who who know you will agree. I think it is just. Very very strange, you know usually our European kits are different. I understand that you know the uh, the agreements with with kit providers will be that you can't just roll out the same uh, blue black and white hoops for every season and for every strip as you know probably lots of fans would, would would have a preference for but if you look at prior European kits you know last year was blue year before that was was black the year before was kind of a bit of a bit of a slate gray that I think we didn't really enjoy either and then you look at kits of, of, of mm-hmm. the past then you know we've had those yellow kits on on a few occasions in the in the 90s early early 2000s other than that it's been mainly blue black and white with with a couple of sort of white kits in there and then that horrendous 910 uh, away strip which is kind of the the call of duty style uh, <laughs> uh kind of i don't i don't even know how to describe that it's kind of the, your, your pink uh and blue leopard print. It's 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 very very odd, and I'm sure Barf will remember that. So I'm I'm not I'm not convinced with it. But if it is the shirt that that brings us uh you know <laughs> a, that brings us a successful European campaign, I think we'll we'll get on board oh. with it pretty we'll get on board with it pretty quickly. If we win the comp, I'll definitely buy one. There we go. Heard it here first. <laughs> or maybe you'll get provided with one signed by signed by um a certain tri scorer on both weekends. Correct. Let's get into the games then, Tom.
1: And, and maybe slightly, strangely, we're going to go kind of anti-chronologically, um, I, I guess you would say. So we'll start with a win against Cardiff on Saturday, which is most fresh in our minds. Um, and then we'll kind of look back briefly, maybe more briefly, on, on the win at home against Ulster. Um, so let's start with, with Cardiff. 32-39 victory, a 10-try thriller. Six of those tries from Bath, 4 from Cardiff, a pretty even game and a pretty back and forth humdinger for a Saturday night. This one,
0: it was it was pretty bonkers, and uh, I think it was a, a good advert for Anglo Welsh <clears throat> Rugby. Um, you know, in, in, in front of a, a, a busy crowd, in front of a rowdy crowd as ever in in, in Cardiff. You know, Cardiff are coming off. A big defeat by Toulouse when they fielded a very, very second-string side. But even bringing back their, you know, their, 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 their best available players, it was an inexperienced side. So, for example, none of their back row had played first-team rugby for Cardiff Blues prior to this season. So it's, mm. it was it was inexperienced, and we started very, very well in DG. He scored the bonus point on on 25 minutes, and we were absolutely flying. We were dominating most aspects of the game. But I think just maybe got a little bit ahead of ourselves and and thought that the the, the result was a was a full gone conclusion and and switched off a little bit some some soft tries and some lapses in concentration conceded.
1: Yeah, I think both of the the tries that they scored um, early in that uh, in that second half, so I think they were actually both Josh Adams tries were, were pretty sloppy errors. So we kind of didn't gather the ball. Um, from the kick through on the first try and then kind of Spencer tried to flick it back and they kicked ahead mm. um, and it did feel like those were, were pretty sloppy tries, poor control, poor game management tries from us, but on the flip side, the, the tries that we were scoring um, were probably a bit better constructed um, and maybe a bit more sustainable, I think, as we saw through in, into the second half, you know, Alfie Barbary absolutely... At the the centre of the first try, looking really really nice and strong, um, and then a lovely break from from De Glanville and Russell to set up um, to set up uh, the try for uh, Ollie Lawrence, who scored in, in the left hand corner. Barry got over himself, and then our boy Tom Dunn scored from a maul, um, his two hundredth point for the club. Um, as well. So yeah, four tries in that in that first half. All of them I think really nicely constructed, and all of them slightly different as as I pointed out earlier. You know, I think that done try in particular, the, the way the mall was was set up, you know, you watch it back, that is textbook. You've got the the kind of one, or it was two of them actually stood up straight, controlling it from, from the middle, and then the rest of them, you could I think the the fella Dave Rogers on the um, commentary said that you could put a spirit level across the backs of that Bath um, pack in that mall, and that's exactly how they want it to be coached. And if you get lower, the lower man often wins. Um, and yeah, that, that was a really nice try. And yeah, so we, we did end up going down at half time 25 24, but I think it was just sloppy stuff, sloppy errors from Bath that, that allowed Cardiff to take that lead.
0: Yeah, and then another Cardiff try, I believe, in mm. the start of the correct the yeah. second half. And then, and it's something we we mentioned right at the top. The impact of the bench, I think, was was really mm, significant, and, nice. and something we we targeted. You now, I, I mentioned that the the Cardiff fifteen was inexperienced. There were some young guys, some inexperienced guys in the the Cardiff pack, and I think in in the Cardiff uh, sitting on the Cardiff bench, sorry. And I think that was definitely an area that we we planned to target. We went six-two split for only the second time in the season. Quinn Roo and Elliot Stook. Um, oh no, sorry. That was. Um, oh yeah, no, we did. You, I, I am right. We went Quinru, Elliot Stuke, and Jakub Kutsir along with the three front row men. And I think Stuke and Kutsir came on very early in the in the 40 second or 40, 40 odd minutes. And Stuart and Schumann followed quite yeah. shortly after. And um, we took control of the game after that point, really. You know, the mall started working really well. I think we've. We've scored half our tries in the Premiership from the the, the rolling ball, and it's it's becoming a, a weapon when we can get the line out right. When we can mm. get the line out set, it's it's really effective. So I think that was clearly the game plan, and we started to to, to, to gain some dominance into that second half mm. and kind of took it away from Cardiff a little bit.
1: Yeah, it was a ding dong affair for for kind of 15 minutes. Certainly, I think Bath only had 20 kicks from hand in in the whole game, which you know is about half of of, of what we've had at certain games. This, this this season, lovely night, artificial pitch, probably played into that. But I think we did well. So 32-24 when, when Cardiff scored a try from a break on the 22. I and mean, then from that point, I think I was on the 45-minute mark, we then just didn't concede again. Mm-hmm. Um, scored um, 15 points of our own after that that point to, to put the game to bed. So that was really promising. I think you're right, the bench was so key. And Kutsia yeah. uh, scored a brace. Two tries uh, in five minutes. Yeah, scored a brace and, and, and look really strong. He's coming along nicely, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think we've we've always known that the potential is there and he's he's been well rated, but he has, as we know, struggled with injuries over the the two seasons he's been here. Um I think we're starting to see him get fit and him carry hard and him him growing confidence and um yeah, we're we're starting to mm. I don't know what the collective noun for a, a group of ball carriers are, but we've certainly got a few of them in our squad now, and it's mm. really working well for us because it gives us different. It gives Spencer and Russell different options to pick, um, and it's 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 just meaning that defenses just don't quite know what to do, and, and even when they do, guys like Kutseer can just take mm. two or three defenders with them. And
1: there's with competition them. for places. Eight, I think Barbara is a guy you've I know been really really impressed with. So far this season, and coming into
0: his own, especially recently, oh, I think he has. You know, he made 15 carries against Ulster and scored a try, seven carries and another try against Cardiff. And I think some of those seven carries against Cardiff were were were, were really effective and and, and led to tries, as as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I think we during the start of the season, he's also had two serious and separate injuries, mm. and for a guy like him who is, you know, his one of his main strengths is his Ability to beat defenders and to carry hard, to spin out of tackles and to find gaps. And uh, yeah, I was looking at some some statistics from um, from 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 a Times article actually. And yeah, if you look at the the some of the some of the attacking stats since he made his Premiership debut in in 2020 compared to other number eights and back rowers, he's he's doing fantastically well. So just to pick a few, so tackle evasion percentage, 28.4%. Um, only beaten by Juano Augustus of, of of Saints, creating chances so break assists by back row forwards. Since his debut, he is in fifth place with with eleven um, meters per eighty minutes by back row forwards. Mm. So all back row forwards since since August 2020, fifty seven, and he's top of the pops there. Wow! And then um, yeah, tries per eighty minutes to finish that off. He's second in all back row forwards since August 2020, only beaten by 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 Sam Simmons. So Attacking stats wise, he is, he, is, he is you know, clearly very talented. We we know that Jürgen van grand rates him and when he him when he persuaded him to to join from Wasps told him that with the right training and people around him, he could be the best ball carrier in Europe. So we're not quite there yet, but I think he's clearly a very good ball carrier yeah. and we're starting to see I think him him coming to his own now that his, his fitness is returning. Yeah. And he's only going to get better Correct. with three, the three England back rowers in that semi-final are all either injured or retired. And I think Steve Borthwick will having a very close look at him and he, he'll get better and better. He'll get better with more minutes played as well. I think
1: I was probably a little bit expectant of more at the start of the season. Um, but I think that's because he was just gaining his, his match fitness. And I think he did look a little bit... I don't want to say unfit, but not like peak firing at the start of the season. But I think these two European weeks, maybe it's the red kit that suits him. But he is, yeah, he's coming through his own. And yeah, I've, I've been impressed with him. Certainly, um, he just needs to stay fit, right? Because yeah. a lot of those stats you were saying, sort of per eighty minutes, percentage, and, and stuff like that, and that that's great. But we just need to see a volume of it and a season after season of it now.
0: Yeah, he's only twenty three years old, Ooh, nice. um, and at that time, <laughs> really? obviously. Takes time to build into your body. Six foot one as well, so he's not a massively tall guy. He's 116 kilos. Yeah, so it's it's going to take time for him physically to be able to compete with guys, you know, enormous thirty hmm. year old South Africans who have who have grown into grown into their bodies and are, and, are, and are fully fledged. So, um, yeah, it's, as long as we can keep him fit, as long as he, we can keep him um, confident and happy, and he seems to be loving his time in Bath so far, I think we can we can expect really good things, and he could be a really key player for us going forward. Definitely. A hard-fought win at the Cardiff Arms Park, Tom, but I
1: think within the context of, of what we've spoken about, about how important this game probably was for Cardiff, I think to get five points was, was really, really good yeah. to see. Should we move on to Ulster? Let's do it. So, previous to that, on the previous Saturday, 3.15 kickoff, this one was at the wreck. I'm sure many of you listeners were there to witness it. We beat Ulster, and I don't actually have the full-time result to hand, but this was a slightly tighter game. 37-14. 37-14. I think this was a slightly tighter game in terms of the, the style of rugby, particularly in the in the first 60 minutes. You know, Ulster yeah. are a better side than Cardiff, if we're having it right, more experienced than Cardiff. You know, have experience of, of beating Bath. This was Bath's first ever defeat of Ulster in the European Champions cup so a tougher game um, and a really tight one up until sort of 60 65 minutes at which stage we just kind of went away from it in the last two furlongs
0: yeah first half an hour it was strange we didn't score until 28 minutes a lovely sort of 25 meter pass from Ben Spencer off his off his left hand mm. to, to put to put I think it was Big Joe in the corner we've been looking dangerous we've been looking physical Ulster had held out well and they are defensively a uh, Uh, a a good side and we went 8-0 up I think Um, and then just let Ogster back in and again it's a little bit of a theme just 10-15 minutes of lapses in defensive discipline and and concentration Oli Lawrence a very uncharacteristic mistake and the ball goes to floor 10 meters out from my line he tries to hack it through Mm. comes off Billy Burns' shins rolls out of the posts and Burns runs in that's seven points you need to be diving on that Especially on as that, they, on they that penalty
1: advantage, if he does hack it through and they, he gathers it, it's
0: coming back anyway. So he's yeah, crazy. Got nothing to nothing, nothing to win there, and then uh, nothing nothing to to gain there. And then again, slightly weak defense allows them to exploit a well well made a well taken try down the, the the right wing. And it was it's kind of the reverse of the the Cardiff game in that we started to. To having having the first half being very close, we started to assert some real dominance early in that second half period. chose to go to the corner on forty four minutes from from the penalty, and then again, as you mentioned, a very well set up driving mall, twelve or so guys in there, and barreled our way over the line and then a key moment in in that second half, a yellow card for Matt Ray replacement lock on sixty five minutes. And then Thomas Detoit the comes on four minutes later on 69 minutes. <clears throat> not, oh not a good combination of events for Ulster, and yeah, the game went uh, sideways for them pretty quickly from that point.: Yeah,
1: he's so good, Detoy. Right? yeah, he's so good. And to bring him on after 69 minutes, you know, it was Ulster's plan to to kind of try and see if Kitsoff could put 80 in his legs. He's obviously a big player for them at loosehead Prop, and as soon as Detoy afresh. The toy came on to to scrummage against him. They had a scrummage against each other, loads of times in South Africa camps. It was it was a little bit unfair on on, on a tiring kits off and and Toit asserted his dominance at scrum time and scored a try, which which eventually led us to to run away with it. Yeah, it was a really really nice second half.
0: Yeah, he's he's an absolute beast, isn't he? He scored five tries in ten games for the club, which is a staggering. Will Muir-esque strike yeah. rate, he's played six at tight end and four at loose head and I think we're starting to see that although he is very adept and useful in d- doing both, I think from a scrummaging perspective, tight end is his slightly stronger position and I'd expect to see him starting more games there going forward because he's, he's so dangerous in the scrum, he just has an incredible amount of power and when you've got big second rows to to go up alongside him, you know, Charlie Yules, Elliot too, mm. Quinn Roo back from injury as well, who could be could be important and is gonna add 120 or so kilos mm. up the back. It's uh a, it's a it's a, it's a tidy scrub. And as as Danny said when he was on the podcast, there aren't many teams that are gonna be able to outmuscle us um unless you unless you unless your name's to lose. Mm. Starting tight head for you. Got to win a game tomorrow, all fit. Yeah, as they currently are. I think you'd have to go to Toy. To be honest, I think we, we, I think you asked me that question when we signed mm. it. The reality is, I'll be surprised if we come to a if we're in a situation where it's genuinely a consideration because you're always going to be rotating. You're always kind of going to know who's going to start. I'll be very surprised if Detroit doesn't start against Quins next week. So, with props, you can kind of get away with not having a first choice. Look at what South Africa have done. That was a
1: wonderful piece of sitting on the fence. <laughs> I think he should I go I go to Toy. I'd go to Yeah, toy. I think I think I have but his impact off the bench has been been spectacular as well. So maybe Stuart to, to hold it firm and then unleash him on, on the our, uh, our own bomb squad. Yeah, not not so much a squad. Oh, Schumann I suppose. <laughs> five Fiverr uh, Maffei, whatever he's wherever the young the young man is called, the, the new Italian hooker who made his debut for, for Cardiff probably should have mentioned that as well. Yeah, really great kind of second half performance from Bar Holly Lawrence. Set up a try for fucking Seager which was a wonderful bit of individual work before Gallagher topped it off. Well, and
0: who was commentating? You know, he's he's really trying. To, he's getting a taste of this meter. He gives a shirt giveaway, the big drum roll, and then he's on comms for a lovely try down the the right wing with BT Sport. Danny Danny on comms didn't quite deliver with the same, um, you know, the same creative prosaic language that we know he's got in the, in, in the locker. But I think he was deep in the detail on a particular set piece. <laughs> As Ollie Lawrence <laughs> streamed even, through the I line, didn't really know it was happening. But yeah,
1: fair play to Danny. Those interviews can't be can't be that easy. He literally come off that thirty seconds earlier. So fair play to him. Speaking of interviews, um, Ben Mabono gave a, an absolutely great one yeah. to, to TNT Sports as they are now, Tom. Um, after the game, and yeah, check that out if you if you haven't watched it. Great interview, but and an even better performance. Hotest oh, ticket in town.
0: hottest okay. oh, ticket in town.
1: Yeah, we're wearing red. We're red hot. Yeah, marketing team at Bath were pretty pleased with that That's one. Awesome. I reckon that was uh, yeah, great great showing, but great great performance from from Benno. Yeah, you know I I don't know I don't know if he did the whole eighty, but but pretty much, and he was absolutely everywhere. Um, yeah, another strong performance from. From that front five,
0: it, w- it was great, great to see. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. I just love watching him when he's in that mood, carrying hard, yeah. scrummaging hard, hitting people low, chopping people at source, and yeah, he's he's good enough to be an international player. He's good enough to be a, a, a starting loosehead for a for a top team in in, in the Premiership. Um, one other thing on Ulster, yeah, um, Russell missed one early again, and they switched to Ben Spencer for kicking. Then against Cardiff the week later, it was back in the hands of of Finn Russell. You got what you were asking for, but only for about 70 minutes.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we're not going to get a job at TNT Sports anytime soon, Tom, because you know you just described them, first of all, as BT Sport, and then we've just done half an hour of this podcast, and that is the first mention of, of Finn Russell, of which I'm I'm pretty proud of, of you and of us in particular. He did get the, the Man of the Match award in the Cardiff game. He did one kick in the Ulster game, missed it, and then handed the reins over to Spencer, who... You know, didn't have his best there for tea. It was pretty nasty conditions. Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure why that was, whether he he kind of felt like he was on the verge of an injury or Mm -hmm. it was slightly strange. But, um, yeah, I'm still of the belief that that I'd like to see Spencer kicking at all kind of moments, but I don't think that's going to happen,
0: so... We will see. I was, I was actually looking back at some of his historic kicking yeah, but stats. Just don't look. what about his historic what? kicking stats? Well, I think it matters when he's been place kicking for for ten years at you know, or, or you know, seven eight years at um, you know, professional rugby, international rugby, top level rugby. So he's seventy one percent this year from the tee. Last season he was eighty three percent. Year before seventy two see the covid affected season and then 83% oh, in 2021 <laughs> yeah 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 it's one of the one of the one of the leading <laughs> symptoms so he's 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 you know he's he's mid to high 70s 77 and a bit over the last four years that is pretty decent if you look yeah. at look at look at kickers when when you're playing 25 30 games in the season so i would say that this year is an anomaly i would say Ben Spencer's kicking stats over the course of his career are um, not as good as that, he certainly hasn't had the same body of work. So, I would stick with it for the time being. But I know, I know, we we're disagreeing on that one.
1: Certainly are not disagreeing on a, a great Bath victory and, and and kind of seven crazy minutes in which Ulster scored two tries. Um, and then apart from that, it was almost flawless, and, and that was the only points they had. And, and we had thirty-seven of our own. A really, really yeah. good way to kick it off. And then we followed it with Cardiff ten points from ten.
0: And isn't it nice to be winning games in the Champions Cup again? Oh, it's nice. It is it's such a premier competition. When you look at other the other games, when you look at the different styles coming against each other. I love watching Toulouse, I love watching La Rochelle, Munster mm. going down to Chiefs. Henry Slade is an absolute Rolls-Royce once again. Uh, f- fantastic. Um, and you mentioned Saturday the 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 12th of January 2019 our last game We were both our last win in the Champions Cup. 18-16 at home to London Wasps, and I thought as a little bit of trivia, we could see how you oh, would get on naming the the the, the starting fifteen. Oh. G. I'll give you I'll give you a bit of help. I'll I'll, I'll kick you off with our loose head prop. Well, That's a bit of a tough how one. Is it? Well, if you want to have a go, you have a go, and I'll I'll. It's not it's not well, the best listening. Listen, you know, hearing you hearing you think hearing the cogs turn. So you you kick off, and I'll I'll help you where you need. Well, I have Benno? But it's not really Benno, no. Not Benno, so I'll give you this one. It's Jacques Von Bruyne. Oh, nice. T- and play, nice play along at home. If you can get all these, I'll be, I'll be impressed. Tom Dunn? Again, no. Again, no. no.
1: Ross Batty? Nope. Okay, you have to help me out. Jack Walker? Oh, okay. Um, and then tight heads. I think Will Stewart was playing for the other side. Correct. Um, for Wasps on that day. Our tight head was
0: probably Paul James? he was a loose head and he wasn't playing other than that it's actually Max Lahey oh dear how did he yeah. win this game <laughs> <laughs> and then I believe the only player playing Stook in, yeah Elliot Stook in the four shirt number Bar, five for Bath for what? Bath uh Yules? nope <clears throat> went on to the line out coach and there's a oh. firm favourite of yours um Luke Charteris correct and the back row, more familiar, I think. Back row, Fallatawa eight. Fallatower six. Fallat six. Yes. Yeah. Um Those were the days of when we had even even greater powers than our number eight shirt. Uh, seven. Francois Lowe. On the bench. Tough. Uh, seven
1: Josh Bayliss. Correct. Eight ah, Houston's left at that point, isn't he? I'll give you a clue. I saw him play on Friday Oh, Zach
0: Mercer. Um, nine. Ollie Fox? Nope. But he was his senior scrum half at that time, similar age. Max Green? Yep. 10, uh, Freddie Burns? Nope. Not doing very well here. You're not, mate, to be honest. We can edit this bit out. <laughs> can we? It was Freddie Burns' his Welsh and more reliable uh, Reece. counterpart, Reecey Uh 11,
1: Big Joe? Nope. Oh, damn. Not in the
0: 23. <laughs> Probably injured. Um, 11. You bumped into him at a sporting occasion a few months back. <laughs> and he came up to you, I think. Welsh <laughs> winger. Alibru. Brew. <Alibru. laughs> he did come
1: up to me. <laughs> That's a weird one. Uh, Brew. Um, 12, still at the club. Max Max Wright yeah. at 12. At 13, um...
0: <clears throat> JJ no JJ a bit of a second string side list how are we honest. winning this game yeah 13 Max Clark uh, 14 fullback for most of his time at Bath really nice player Anthony Watson nope <laughs> underrated player got him from London Irish his oh, Homer. Tom, Homer. Tom Homer and then 15 an old mate of yours Oh, Darren, Darren Atkins. God, so that was a uh... yeah, sort an interesting one. I mean, we had guys like Dave Atwood and Francois, Olo, Chris Cook, Jackson Willison, Alex Davis, um, and then a a, 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 a kind of uh, replacement front three of Van Buren, Noguera and Sam Nixon. So we did well to win that, and I would I would <laughs> say that no matter what you say, the team has certainly come on quite a long way since since that point. So. Um, Listeners, if that doesn't get edited out, then that is the that's the team for our last win.
1: Not a great showing from me, Tom. Two guys who won't be featuring in any Bath lineup for a couple of seasons, at least, maybe ever. Are two guys we've been heavily linked with in the press, but two guys who are not going to be joining Bath ahead of next season. That is, of course, Henry Arundel, the former London Irish and now Racing winger. And RG Schneiman, the former Munster and soon-to-be Leinster block. Mm. These guys were, you know, one reported, both reported, one reported to be joining. Schneiman, we've spoken about on the podcast, had links with um, Johan van Gran. Personally, that one felt a lot more attainable and a lot more appealing than yeah. Arundel ever did, to be frank. Um but yeah, I think that in particular is disappointing and, and, and both of them to come within almost a week of each other and since we last recorded is yeah, a little frustrating, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I think the Seinman news is is disappointing to be honest. I was excited about that. It felt like a credible story. Even the response of Yerman of Graham when when first asked to me implies that we were certainly talking to him about it, but he's moved to Leinster for what is reported to be about half a million Quid, so it's it's a big, it's a big contract. Yeah, I think the, again we were reported to offer four fifty. So whether we were outbid, whether it was the appeal of of Leinster, you know, not staying in staying in Ireland, obviously, it's a, it's a shame because he he I think is a is a perfect use of the you know the one point four million salary cap that is going to be going to be freed up and, and added on to the to the wage bill for for next season. So disappointing. Yeah, with Arundel, less so, I think. I mean, if he comes back, he's probably straight into the England fold. He's obviously very, very popular with with England fans and I think Steve Steve Borthick based on the World Cup. And frankly, not really a position where I don't I think we need much assistance. You know, Cochina Seagull, Will Muir, uh, established artists, now DeGlamble and the Gallagher being playing there as well, and obviously Warren McConaughey waiting in the wings, hopefully rehabbing well. So, um, you know, plenty of guys I think in 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 that department that 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 can do a decent job, but yeah, mm. disappointing with Simon. I, I still think that given we're in talks with them, and given I think it's an area we clearly probably need to add some world class depth. And we we're having a little chat before the podcast, but I, I imagine that will be one of the big big ticket signings that we we bring in. And whether we target another South African guy from from you know, there's a few other guys playing out in Japan, someone like an Ebenezar Beth or a Franco Mustard or a Lud Diego. I don't know, but I imagine it would be of, of that sort of ilk because it's <laughs> yeah. it's clearly a position where we're we're willing to spend a bit of money, I think.
1: Yeah, and where to spend your money, where should you spend your money, in my opinion, mm. front five, not on the wing. It's
0: definitely um, the model for it. Quick couple of things before we, we, yeah. we move on to talk about Quinns, maybe. So a couple of of awards for the boys, and I think testament to, to how well they've been playing. So Ollie Lawrence was awarded November Premiership of the Premiership Player of the month, obviously Premiership Player of the Year last season and and taking the award of Ben Spencer for October. Mm-hmm. And Alfie Barbary, the under twenty-three MVP for November. So continuing to, you know, to to to, to be a top team in the premiership, we've come so far from being bottom 14 from 14 and we've got some top performance to to demonstrate that and you've come far mate
1: adding stuff to the rundown without letting me know or without pre-planning it i think some of the guys those guys would have been up against would have been quinn's players those we have alongside quinn's been two of the form sides in the league and we go head to head on the 23rd of december at the rec this is a 305 kickoff um And we've been in the same pool as us in the the Champions Cup, but we obviously haven't faced them and haven't faced any of the sides that they have faced. So they beat Racing away and then lost um, pretty heavily in the end to an extremely strong to lose side. Both sides have been full beans for Europe. Absolutely. Bath have and and, and Quinn's have as well. So... Naturally, who we select will be fascinating, and, and, and likewise, who Quins select will be fascinating. But a massive game in the in the Premiership, second v third, Tom.
0: It really is, yeah. Quins are a side that have had some really good wins this season. They're shaving over Rassing in in the European Cup, as you said. Mm. They battered Sale, who I think are one of the one of the you know obviously the favourites for the league. I was I was at that game in mm. it was sort of sub zero. Conditions and Marcus Smith well and truly got the number over over George Ford. But they've also taken a few pumpings along the way. You mentioned the the Toulouse game and they look absolutely frightening, but also the game at home against Saracens, where they lost uh, 10 points to, to 38. So I know obviously you watch more of of this this Quinn side than, than than me, I think, but from my point of view, I think Toulouse showed the model that you need to play to, to beat Quinn's. If you can stop Quinn's scoring and hold them out, they're a team that love to play free-throwing rugby and score tries. If you can stop them scoring and I think get over the game line and win those collisions, I think they they struggle a little bit. They mm. like to be playing, they like to be finding grass, kicking well, playing in the right areas and ultimately creating quick ball and space for Marcus Smith to, to, to run the show and for guys like Caden Murley and Tyrone mm. Green out wide to to cause the devastation that they can. So, I think on what's likely to be a muddy, grim day at the yeah. at the wreck, And as I said earlier, half our prem tries have been scored with you know from from lineouts from lineout mauls. I think clearly, I think the game plan will be to try and maul and brawl with them. Probably a six-two split to try and take the the game from a little bit and just to try and restrict and suffocate any mm. creative. Uh, flair that they can they can muster. Yeah, they,
1: the guys you mentioned absolutely grab the headlines, and, and, they, and they do do some really exciting things on the field. But I think if, you, if you're going to beat Quinns, I think you have to you have to stop probably two or, or three guys getting go forward. I think the first and, and most important is is Andre Estherhaz, and when mm. and they play well, he, he's at the fore of it. I think the second one is is Dombrandt and then I think the, the third one is a kind of combination of that that front row of Collier and of Mahler um, and then Baxter and the young Welsh lad, they've got Lewis coming coming off the bench. So I think those are kind of key areas for them to, to generate going forward. And yeah, I think Esther Hazen is the key to them. Um, it's going to be a huge day for, uh, I would love it to be Redpath at 12, defending alongside Russell, giving him support. And then also a big day for whoever plays at, at seven, probably Clerter or maybe Reed. Um, playing at seven to to kind of get off the base and, and support there because if you can kind of stop that, it will then kind of restrict that go forward and makes life a lot more difficult for Smith and um, either Kerr or Porter, the scrum half, to to play in that space. You know, when they're going backwards, it's, it's a lot more difficult.
0: Yeah, I think the, yeah, I think that's that's spot on. I think the breakdown is another area. I think Will Evans was top turnover merchant in the in the Premiership season last season. So. Um, making sure we can provide Spencer Russell quick clean ball uh, at, at the, the, the breakdown and then trying to make it as ugly and as horrible and as messy as we can for the, the, the halfbacks, I think will we'll go, go a long way. But mm. it's going to be tight. I mean, they've, they've showed some good form in the Premiership. And I think when they start to build a bit of confidence, they can be very hard to stop. The other thing is, and this is probably more a comment on last season when I watched a bit more of them, but they had a series of games when they would come back from, you know, mm-hmm. fourteen plus points down yeah. and show some real dynamism and, and score, you know, quick tries in, in that last twenty. So mm-hmm. the bench is gonna be important, but I think we've shown that we've we've got a pretty solid twenty three in over mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks. Yeah, a
1: couple of injury points for them, I suppose. So Merley and Mahler both taken off at wow. half time and Dino Lamb yeah, uh, pretty yeah. nasty injury on, on 14 minutes he, he almost certainly won't feature um, from a Bath point of view it didn't seem as though there were any injuries from from no. any of the, the European Cup games which is which is huge the injury list isn't massive at this point um, for Bath it, it's
0: McConaughey, McConaughey, Bayless, Quimri's back now isn't he so yeah it's not not significant, man belts about back, McNally back, yeah. I'm trying to think, actually, if anyone of note is, is mm. injured. No
1: one, no one springs
0: to mind. Yeah, yeah, Josh Bayliss as well. Mm. Um, Would you
1: go, how do you select this side then, Tom? <clears throat> do, you, do you maybe rest and, and kind of inject a little bit of, of new blood? Those teams that we played in both European games were, were really quite similar. How do, you, how do you go about
0: this one if you're JBG? I think home game just before Christmas it has been a sellout for three, four weeks. I'd be very surprised if this is a game that we choose to do a, a full rotation in the way that we did against Sale. Um, yeah, I, I I think we'll go in pretty much all guns. Basically. A guy that didn't feature last week, I'm trying to look back if he featured against... Ulster and he did but he was rested fully last week as Sam Underhill mm. so it might be that he comes back That's in true, yeah. in that seven shirt Alfie Barbary obviously started both those games and played 75 and 77 minutes respectively so does Jakob Katsir earn a start from the good work that he has put in Um Elliot Stuk, uh featured off the bench uh, for 20 minutes or so against Cardiff so will he come back in to maybe partner Charlie Ewells or will Quinn Rue get a start so I think there's stuff you can do at the margins, but in key positions, so DeToit, St- or Stewart, Don, Abano, um, obviously Spencer, Russell, Will Muir, who I think just again just it's just it's just dynamite and such a value player for us. And yeah, maybe you see Matt Gallagher come back in at, at 15. Um, he didn't, he wasn't part of the 23 against against Cardiff. So I've been through quite a lot of rotations there. But my point being that I think the core and the spine of the team will stay the same. Definitely for this game. We might rest on New Year's Eve against Leicester, I'm not sure. But I think we can make changes around the fringes that don't affect uh, performance a huge amount. But I guess that's the
1: point. You know. You say, oh, before Christmas, at home, sold out. I take all those points. But it never slows down, does it? You've got Leicester away the following weekend. Then you come back for uh, the game against Gloucester, arguably the biggest game of the season. And then you're back into double European action so it's carnage it doesn't really slow down. Um but yeah it, it would be nice to kind of rotate a little bit but,
0: but maintain a, a pretty strong yeah so it's a six game block isn't it so it's Quinn's Leicester Gloucester the two two Champions Cup games against Racing Toulouse, Bristol, the Friday after the Sunday at Toulouse. So that's absolutely brutal. I don't mean that Bristol's confirmed as the Friday. Is it not? Okay, that's just that's just that weekend is it? Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, but even so, presumably you know you're back Sunday night, then, so that's a relatively quick turnaround. Particularly playing to, to lose. Um, yeah, it's on the Saturday. Okay. Quins Leicester's on the Friday, and then and then we go into then we go into the Six Nations break. So then you say block what, of six?
1: It's been blocking.
0: Yeah, block of six from now, but I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> brutal. But from that point, well, there's then a break until the twenty second of March with the Six Nations break. So um then I planned it out I've got no doubt that Jvg has a forensic plan for what to do but I will be surprised if we're we're not virtually full for this game prediction I think another bonus point win. I think well, I, I, I really do I think we're we're flying we've got some fantastic momentum I think we've we've you know shown over the last few weeks that when we put a full strength side out, we are very, very hard to beat. You know that 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 game, as I said, was second string. So um, we've not lost since the start of November with a with a full strength side out, and um, I think we'll continue to continue to to show a dominant performance. And I think a physical performance against mm-hmm. Quinn. So I'm going to go Bath by Bath by Bath by twelve. <laughs> that is bold. Um, Yeah, it was a tight one last year, wasn't
1: it? I think it was around this same sort of time of year as well. Um, The weather looks dry at the wreck. um, And I think the bookies have got us about a six-point favourite, generally speaking. I I think it will be tighter than that. I do fancy Bath to edge it, but I think it's going to be a nail-biter. And I think I'll probably take Bath by three, is what's coming to mind. I think it'll be a nervy one for us. Looking forward to it, mate. Looking forward to watching that one with you. We won't, unfortunately, be at the wreck. And we can't necessarily at this point promise when the next podcast will be just trying to work things out in and around Christmas. But thank you for listening. Again, listeners, really appreciate your support. Um, Apologies for the kind of little bit of a break we had last week. But hopefully we've got you caught up there with all things blue, black and white. We aim to be back probably just before Christmas, but enjoy the festive time with your friends and family. Enjoy all the festive rugby. It's a wonderful time of year and stick behind